0: Today's episode is brought to you by Kind Bar. Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo, to shift the food industry and empower their community and our listeners to making better, informed choices about health. Kindness can be a transformative force for good and that is why we are teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10 to 15% off for military, teachers, students, first responders, doctors, and nurses. Go to podgo.co forward slash kind. That's podgo.co forward slash kind. That's K-I-N-D, Kind Bar, creating a kinder and healthier world, one act, one snack at a time. Whether you're quarantined in the house or not, you still don't want your gym bag being all nasty. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure your stuff stays in check. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to your junk. Thanks to their lawnmower 3.0, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably at home looking for something to do, why not make Manscaping a part of your new routine? You don't want to look like you're sitting on Ming's shoulders from WCW. And you don't want Brutus the Barber Beefcake chomping away down there. And you dang sure don't want to use that Freebird hair removal cream. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0 Precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with new and improved lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Your goods are gonna be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver. An anti shafing deodorant and moisturizer. You're probably sitting on the couch like Al Bundy right now anyway, so you might as well keep everything smooth and fresh. Subscribe to the perfect packing to get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer, delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SLOPDROP at manscaped.com. That's SLOPDROP. S L O P D R O P. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the promo code SLOPDROP. S L O P D R O P.
1: That's a slop drop. I can answer that. That's a slop drop. What is that move? That's a slop drop. Slop drop time. That's a slop drop. This is a slop drop. It's a slop drop. Slop drop. Slop drop. Slop drop.
2: The slop drop indeed.
0: What's up, humanoids? Welcome back to the slop drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Sumo on Twitter. And we are joined by the voice of the Twin Lakes Sports Network, the loose cannon, David McBee the unluckiest man in the world, bad luck Chapman, and the manager of champions, Stephen E. What's up, fellas?
3: What is going on, guys? What
4: is up? Hold up. I've got something for all of you. Everybody out there that gets to watch this on YouTube still a little bit. I just want you all to see. My nasty boy T-shirt. Can you believe I only paid 40 bucks for this thing? Priceless. Yeah.
0: <laughs> a few of you been guys waiting
4: all day to-
0: will know what that,
1: know
0: that. That's a That's a good throwback, man. That's unique. I like that. Speaking of throwbacks, back in the fall of 1985, one of, if not the most elite and iconic factions was created by total accident. Of course, we're talking about the Four Horsemen.
1: Just like Christmas, New Year's, Easter, the 4th of July – Anytime you see the four horsemen together, it's something special. It's a special day. It's an event if you would. The newspapers come around, the TV cameras cover it because we're special. Because we control wrestling. We rule the world of professional. Wrestling. The main thing is, what you've got right here in the ring, is you've got a champion. You've got Tully Blanchard. You've got Ole Anderson. You've got myself. And last, but by no means least, you've got Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. You're talking about the four horsemen of professional wrestling, the people that make things happen.
0: Prior to this, Ric Flair had been brought in to work with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, which at the time was Gene and Ole Anderson. Flair was supposed to be a cousin of the Andersons. In reality, there are only two real Andersons, and that was Gene and Lars, the original wrecking crew. Arn was brought into team with Ole as an Anderson. Some territories called him a brother. Some called him a cousin. We'll just say he was a family member. Uh, neither one of them were true Andersons anyway. Uh, throw Tully Blanchard into the mix. He was a national heavyweight champion at the time. He was close friends with Rick and Arn away from the ring and was booked on many of the same shows. Arn and Tully, or Tully was being managed by James J. Dillon before the formation of the group and was feuding with Dusty Rhodes at the time. Tully was definitely at the right place at the right time in October of 1985 when at the Omni in Atlanta during a local TV event. They were, again, all booked on the same show. Time was running out. So they threw in Flair, the Andersons, Tully, and Dylan in, all in the impromptu interview. Not planned. Threw them in, and it was at, during this interview, the Horseman was born.
3: Wow. Wow. I mean, you know, when you think of professional wrestling factions, if if you don't think of the four Horsemen within the first two or three that you think of man you I, I don't know what to say the four horsemen are they're just everything that you want in a faction you know you had the glitz you had the glamour and you had the workhorses and then you had the manager standing behind them that could you know they could they could you know spit with anybody uh it, it, iconic group one of my favorites of all time watching that stuff uh you go back and you watch the stuff today, and it's, it's almost like you step back in a time machine. You know, uh, it's just, it's so
4: over. Well, you've got, you start out with the Nasty Boys, and then in a strong second are the Four Horsemen. That's the greatest tag teams of all time, so, yeah. Well,
2: you had Glitz, you had Glamour, and then you had uh, uh, the unluckiest man in the world, his favorite wrestler, Paul Roma. <laughs> hey, Paul Roma had talent.
0: We'll get to Roma. But it all started when Anderson made the comment, not since the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse has there ever been this much devastation at the same place at the same time. After that interview ended, the show ended, Tony Schiavone said, I think you just named yourself. Arn said he made the comment on the fly, but Schiavone uh, validated it, which led to them referring to themselves as the Four Horsemen. So props to Tony Schiavone. Arn might have came up with it, but Tony kind of named him.
3: I, I, I didn't know that. That's news to me, man. Uh, that's, uh, that's pretty, that's a pretty cool, cool story though. The way that, uh, that they came about, you know, uh, especially, you know, are you know, basically calling it out, but not really going with it. And Shivani sticks it home, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty
2: sweet. I didn't know that. Well, Shivani too. He was, he was new as an announcer. He had just started two years earlier in 83 so uh i mean just think of all the moments that he lived with the horsemen and it's pretty cool for him to be uh right there at the beginning
3: bonnie was very instrumental i think in a lot of the early uh uh promos that they did you know he was right there with them and you know he just he he, it was uh it was a good getting gang for his promos.
0: it spread like wildfire fans started showing up in suits and shades and sitting front row At first, there was no leader. They were all equals. They all competed in singles or as tag teams. Uh, It just all happened organically. There was no riders, no booking committee, just a couple guys shooting from the hip during an unplanned promo. Tully was the first to put up the four fingers on TV. They usually had most of the titles in the NWA, bragged about their successes. They lived the gimmick away from the ring and traveled in limos, jets to the cities they wrestled in. Over time, there was 10 different variations of the group. 85, Flair, Arn, Ole, and Blanchard. 87, Flair, Arn, Blanchard, and Luger. 88, Flair, Arn, Blanchard, and Wyndham. 93, Flair, Arn, Ole, and Roma, which was Chapman's favorite. 89, Flair, Arn, Ole, and Sting. 1990, Flair, Arn, Wyndham, and Sid. That might be Chapman's favorite. 95, Flair, Arn, Pillman, and Benoit. 97, Flair, Mongo, Benoit. Jeff Jarrett, '97 Flair, Mongo, Benoit, and Kurt Henning in 1998, the final Flair, Mongo, Benoit, and Malenko.
3: Yeah, boy. You know when you when you, when you talk about the iconic uh, iconic groups, you can't leave Mongo out of the uh, out of the equation, can you, boys? Right? He was either number going to be number your number five favorite horseman or fifteen. Take your pick. <laughs>
2: Man, look at all the Hall of Famers that was named. You know, you went through that, just a, a laundry list of Hall of Famer, Hall of Famers with that group, and uh, something that you said sumo a minute ago when you talked about when they first kicked off their promos, their promos. You go back and watch them now; they're still epic. And what it is is it's not all this contrived. Hey, we're going to do it Hollywood. Have someone write a script. You said they were shooting from the hip. And that is why I think their promos, especially in the early years, were so good. And that laid the foundation. Those interviews with the Horseman and Shivani, that's what I grew up on. And that's what made me a Horseman fan. I mean, those were some pretty epic promos.
0: Yeah.
3: And that's one of the things that made the Horseman so unique was they were really your first group of, of individuals that, you know, you kind of thought were cool and you wanted to, you know, I mean, you you wanted to be like Rick, you wanted to be, you know, like Coley and Arn you wanted to be like, you know, whichever other guy was there growing up, you know, for me, you know, I, 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 the, the Luger, I, you know, I liked it. It just, it wasn't, there's just different variations of them that I could forget about, you know, Roma included, you know, and maybe, you know, I don't want to say Mongo, but you know those guys, just they, man, they were so cool. You know they were so, 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 so so cool. You had totally, you know, totally Blanchard, which just was, you know, Casanova, and of course Rick Flair. You know, jet, uh, jet flying, limousine riding, and you know the rest of the deal. Uh, just how cool were they as a kid growing up? For you know, for me, I was thirteen, twelve years old whenever whenever they they you know they broke, and uh, man, they were just cool.
2: Women wanted them, and men wanted to be them. Just, yeah. like, just like me and Steve and E, we have to deal with this all the time. They the had some
0: yeah. uh, unofficial associates. War Machine, if that name doesn't ring a bell, is Ray Trailer, Big Boss Man, Big Bubba Rogers, Hero Matsuda, Kendall Windham, Butch Reed, Michael P.S. Hayes, and David Flair. None of those were official members, but they were called associates. Had a number of valets and managers throughout the years, but J.J. Dillon was the man. There's only 15 official in-ring members. You guys want to break them down?
3: break them
0: down let's start with the man who came up with it
1: very easily we are the best at what we do these days our business gets glamorized by different aspects and different people some of them like to call it showbiz. A lot of people like to think they're stars. No, that stars are in the sky and stars are in Hollywood. What we are as professional athletes. And Every time we come to a building, you gotta know. Your brothers gotta know. Those people that have watched us for a lot of years gotta know. That's the reason they keep coming back. And last but not least, we gotta know that whether we're sick, whether we're hurting a little bit, whether we got problems at home, or we had problems making our plane, that we give you 110% because that's what you pay for. Because that's my roots. I was learned it. I was taught the old way. It is take a body part and render it useless. And my friend, a three-legged table is worth nothing to anybody. We are the best. We are the horsemen.
0: The first member, Arn Anderson, creator and heart and soul of the horsemen, Part of nearly every version of the group over time, the purpose of the horseman became making sure that Flair kept the title. Arn became known as the enforcer and anyone who won Flair had to go through him. He was NWA, WCW television champion, NWA, WCW, WWE tag team champion, WWE hall of famer and current AEW.
3: Yeah. Uh, When I think of my favorite title of all time, you know, I, I, it's, it's Arn Anderson holding that television title. That television title. That NWA title is iconic. It just looks so good. That red strap. Uh, it just, it looked amazing. And those guys made a. They made. They. They looked really good with all that. All that gold. There's a couple of iconic pictures that that they took as a group. You know, through the variations where they, it seemed like they all had a belt. You know, and, and, and of course, he had James J. Dillon right there, you know, looking looking like, you know, looking like a stud. Uh, James looking J. like Dillon, he does
0: today, has aged age today.
3: Boy, him and Arn Anderson both, right? You could just take them and pluck it, you know, put them in a time machine and take them back, and you wouldn't know none the wiser, you know?
4: Arn's always looked like a 40 year old man, and it was kind of a disadvantage when he was in his 20s. But now that he's in his 60s, he still looks like a 40 year old man. So, yeah working to his advantage
2: now That's right and double a just a great worker he to me he was the heartbeat of the horseman you know he was always there and all the different you know variations of it but uh the, definitely the heart and the soul of the horseman to me well you you know in, in my in my
3: my my opinion arn anderson has become kind of a uh, you know he, i know you know he's managing cody or coaching cody or however however you want to say it, but you know he he, he I feel like he's almost become kind of an attraction because you know he he did a uh, he did a interview a couple of, a couple months back or six months ago talking about that he had three more left three more spine busters left and and every time I see him out there doing something I'm just like on the edge of my seat waiting for that spine buster because God guys did he not have the best one in the business
0: Oh yeah I had a real good DDT too
4: Yeah absolutely I remember well so I watched a YouTube clip a while back. And and, uh, it was Ric Flair was on commentary. And, uh, of course, it was obviously from a long time ago. The very first spine buster that Arn Anderson ever did, Ric Flair didn't know what to call it. And I think it was Ric Flair and Tony Schiavone. And Tony was like, you know, what do you call that? Ric Flair was like, that was a a double-fisted power slam is what that was. But it was actually the very first spine buster. It, It was real neat.
0: Speaking of Flair, we'll we'll go to him next. Number two, Ric Flair. Whether you like it
1: or don't like it, learn to love it because it is the best thing going today. The four Horsemen will ride and reign supreme. We are. We are. And listen very closely. We are the French shy. We are the best We compete at a level unknown to mortal man. We run all night. We run all day, 24 hours. We live, we eat, we think, wrestling. We're the best there is. Learn to love it. Diamonds are forever. And so are the four horsemen.
0: The nature boy became the star of the group and who gave the horseman their jet flying limousine riding image. Flair was an active part of every single version of the horseman. is arguably the greatest professional wrestler who's ever lived. NWA, WCW, WWE world champion, WWE and NWA tag champion, NWA television champion, NWA and WCW United States champion, WCW international champion, that was the introduction of the big gold belt, wwe intercontinental champion 1992 wwe royal rumble winner nwa wwe professional wrestling hall of fame he's had the feud of the year match of the year Wrestler of the year 1975 rookie of the year currently still working wwe i could go on and on this doesn't even include all the the minor territory titles he's held these are just the major ones multiple times
3: I, I, I don't think we have enough time to talk about Ric Flair's accomplishments. I've got things to do later tonight. And if we get started on that, we may be here all night long.
2: Oh, hey, one word. So, he, he's the GOAT. I think he's the GOAT.
4: Well, we were talking about this the night, me and Steven, about the difference between him and Hogan. You know, we went, went back, I don't even remember what we were watching Hogan yeah. and Goldberg, maybe or something, but Hogan knew how to feed to the crowd. Hogan was a performer. Mm-hmm. Okay flair was a worker Mm -hmm. you know and probably the best worker in the business And i mean obviously he got over you know grand hogan had his stint in the wwef whatever and then wcw but he was always that main event guy he always just came out and his matches were weren't really you know they weren't nothing long they weren't nothing great and you've got rick flair traveling all over the united states
3: doing one hour um, you know iron man matches
4: yeah and mexico japan everywhere doing hour, hour-long matches with, with anybody. He, I mean, he can make anybody look good. And, uh, you know, to me, it's, there's no there's, there's no argument over who the best uh, performer was or best worker was, and that was Ric Flair.
0: That's one of my all-time, probably my all-time favorites, Ric Flair, period. Uh, number three, Ole Anderson.
5: We're too big. We're too strong. We're just too good. Anybody that gets in our way, they're going to find out just how good we are. The four horsemen back, we're going to take everything We're going after the world tag We're going after the single, which we've now got We're going to keep, we're going to take that US We're going to have the TV, we're going to have them all Anybody gets in our way They're going to find out I told you before, I'm dead serious We don't do a lot of cute stuff I don't want to yell, and don't want to holler Just want to tell you like it is We're straight from the shoulder when we say We're better than anybody else If you don't believe it, you try us And I don't mean just in the ring. I mean anywhere. I mean we're that good. And I guarantee you, you get a little taste of the Andersons, you get a little taste of the Four Horsemen, you're not going to like it. We're here to stay. We're going to beat everybody that we meet. We're going to take all the belts that we can take. The Four Horsemen are back.
0: Ole was somewhat of the elder spokesman of the group, Uh, mainly worked tags with Arn. His calm and serious promos was a good contrast to Flair's as a wrestler Oli was probably past his prime when he was a horseman later he'd uh briefly become their manager but ultimately would be a member of WCW's booking committee and took himself off tv NWA tag champion and WCW hall of famer
3: yeah boy uh when you talk about Oli you you can't you can't not talk about how tough that son of a gun was you know uh you go back and you listen to any of the uh, stories, or if you read any of the books that talk about Oli, they, they they've got they've got more choice words than than just tough, you know, over him because I don't think he made a whole lot of friends while he was booking, but you know, uh, tough some bits that's for sure. But if you go back and watch, like him and Arm, I love watching him and Arm when they when they were tagging
4: together, they would literally their mind was so perfect and so in sync, you know they they. They picked that body part, and they worked it to
2: the ground. You know, you That's what I was it. about to
0: say. They'd focus on that one body part go to town. Always, it was always a limit.
2: Well, well, what's or, crazy uh, is his legacy His legacy has kind of been swept under the rug because, you know, when they went to the WWE Hall of Fame, they had Wyndham go in, and Ole was a founding member. He was there at the beginning, and it just seems, you know, I know, like you mentioned about his uh, legacy as a booker, I think he, you know, what he did as a booker and the enemies he created ultimately has really damaged his legacy.
0: I think he had some choice words for the McMahons, and there's some some bitter feelings as why he wasn't chosen to be in that that group.
2: You know, honestly,
4: though, I mean, I know we'll get to that in a little bit, but but the group that went in is probably my favorite. You know, Wyndham to me was was a much better fit.
0: But. Yeah fourth member Tolly Blanchard. Tully, Tully was great.
1: And we're coming with all the gold, the limousines, all the prestige, all the glory. And when we walk out, we're walking out the same way we walked in because big boys, it ain't talk no more. you got to come prove that you two are the baddest apple in the bushel.
0: Great on the mic, great in the ring, just a A valuable asset to this group, severely criminally underrated. We talk all the time about how Jake Roberts and uh, Ted DiBiase and all these underrated guys, you want to know an underrated guy, that's totally Blanchard. Um, He jumped ship, went to WWE, failed a drug test. When it's time to come back to WCW, they didn't re-sign him. What is crazy about it, he only had five years of national TV exposure. During that time, he became a legend. NWA national champion, NWA United States Champion, NWA television champion, NWA and WWE Tag Team Champion, NWA and WWE Hall of Famer, Feud of the Year, Tag of the Year, on and on, currently in AEW. Only five years of exposure.
3: Man, that's amazing. I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know that. If if you'd asked me, I, I would have I would have told you Tolkien's been around since you know god since the beginning of wrestling for me you know he was
0: a jcp uh, jim crockett promotions from 84 to 88 and then wwe from 88 to 89 after that uh, off the radar yeah so he
4: brought he brought baby doll right uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. he had baby doll originally. Uh, she got the boot and jj dillon became his manager prior to him joining the horseman
3: you what J.J. Dillon had a book come out a couple years ago that uh, I, I don't know if any of you guys have read that that is a good 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 read I was very surprised I didn't realize you know when J.J. when J.J. headed north uh, to New York uh, when I think I believe it was 89 maybe 90 uh, he, he you know he became Vince McMahon's left-hand man everybody knows who his right-hand man of course was Pat Patterson well, James J. Dillon was was Vince McMahon's left-hand man and I tell you what, I didn't realize how 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 much influence he had on on the early 90s WWF, you know. Uh, it, James J. Dillon has a a I mean, he's got a genius mind for 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 the business. It, it, it's crazy, but if you guys haven't had a chance to to plunge into that book, man, I
2: I highly suggest doing it. It's really really good. Man, Telly Blanchard, you know, of course, he's just kind of made a comeback to AEW uh, just recently, and I've seen a couple of the promos he's done on AEW, and what's crazy is he's been out, what, since like 90, 91, something like that, and he's able to come in, and he hasn't missed a beat, and uh, just, you know, it's crazy that he did all that within five years, but all the influence, you know, think about his match that he had, like, with Magnum TA, and you know, the feud that they had, I mean, it was brutal for its time, and it was so far ahead of its time.
6: Yeah. And,
2: uh, I mean, just an absolute legend. But, I mean, can you think of any other athlete in any other sport that in five years was a Hall of Famer? I mean, there's not very many. There's only a few you can name. And that that's something right there.
4: Yeah. Well, they did a – so on on Arne's podcast uh, probably two weeks ago, it was a really good one because it had Tully on there. It was Arn, Conrad, and Tully. And one of the things that Tully said was, you know, everybody kind of had their feud going. Whenever he was still joining the Four Horsemen, they weren't really a, a, a group yet, but they were they were still hanging together. And everybody had their own thing going, and they were trying to figure out what to do with Tully. Tully looked at Dusty Rhodes and said, "said Put me, you know, put me in a match with you." And of course, Dusty's like, "You know why?" And he said, "Man, I'll make you look like a million bucks." And that's what he did. He went out there and sold his butt off for mm-hmm. Dusty.
0: Yeah. Their first blood match was pretty good. They had,
3: absolutely.
4: I, I don't know if absolutely it was one of the much first,
0: much. first blood matches, but it was one of the first that I can remember.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when, 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 when you think of that early incarnation of the four horsemen, Dusty was, was right there. I mean, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing with wrestling guys. You, you gotta have opposites. you gotta have somebody to work with, if you don't have somebody to work with, they can get themselves over or, help get you over, then it's a tough call, but Dusty, you know, Dusty, Dusty's feud with the horsemen. And I'm sure we'll get to that, so I won't go any farther, but man, oh man, that was, that was something else.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Fifth member, Lex Luger, we talked about him last week. Luger first brought into the horsemen as an associate. Ole was kicked out. Lex was brought in as an official member.
1: I make my own decisions about who I associate with. If there's any voids for these men to be filled, Next Luger's Luger is the man to fill him.
0: Luger went on to become one of the Horsemen's biggest rivals, just like Dusty and Sting. Uh, but while in the group, the horsemen dominated titles in JCP. Luger was WCW world champ, WCW TV champ, NWA and WCW United States champion, five-time one at that, NWA, WCW tag team champion, WCW triple crown champion, uh, f- had feud of the year, match of the year, wrestler of the year, rookie of the year in '86. WWE 94 Old Rumble with Bret Hart. Uh, you can listen to episode 131 if you want to hear us talk all about Luger. But Luger, I know he's not your favorite edition, but he wasn't a, a bad edition.
3: No, no, man. It, especially at the time. If you think about the time frame that we're talking about, like, you know, Luger was on fire. Luger was he looked like a million bucks. I think that, you know, don't get me wrong, I know Ole is an original member, but you know Luger was a good fit for what they needed him for, you know, and then of course it transitioned into a good, you know, feud for him because you know I think I think Luger Luger feuded with him for pretty much his entire career, and yeah. and, and as well did Sting at some point. You know uh, I know he joined them, but you know it, you had those guys that could work against them, and that's what you know I, you got to give credit to, to some of the other guys that that they worked just because you know they they. Gosh man, again, I can't I, I have this memory and I'm gonna go Dusty Roads and the gas station beatdown. I mean, how how innovative was that? You know, uh innovative you know, enough
0: been, that the cops were called, I believe. Everybody thought it was a real legit thing.
3: So believable that the cops showed up to, you know, to 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 find out what the hell's going on, you know, because you know, four guys just rolled up and beat the beat the shit out of At a, at a, a, you know, the son of a plumber. (laughs) I think the biggest downfall of of Luger being a member of the horseman was,
4: you know, you had Arn Anderson, who was your brawler, who was your tough guy, the enforcer. You had Tully, super flamboyant, could work great in the ring, did great. You had, you had nature, nature boy, right? Nature was all about the looks, had the robe, the jets, the limousines, you know, wanted all the focus. When I come out, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the problem was is is NWA was pushing Luger so hard that it was taking the spotlight off of Flair. And they were saying, Hey, Luger, tell him, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I think that's why he, that's why he never really, he wasn't, he wasn't a bad fit, but he was never the, you know, the guy to take that spot is I think him and Flair kind of competed for, you know, who's going to get the more attention to where the other guys each had their own
3: characteristics. Yeah. Totally. Totally was what, you know, I mean, he, he, he always had that secondary title or the tag team champion, championship where Ric Flair had Big Bold and the championship of the NWA 10 pounds, you know, totally always had that secondary belt. And I mean, and Arn did too, but, you know, when when they didn't have the tag team champions, they, they you know, they had the different titles mm-hmm. for, to wherever they were at, you know. Um, like I said, there's a couple of iconic promo pictures that, that they've got mm-hmm. where, I
2: mean, they've just got
3: everything you know, all the, all the straps from what, from the NWA is great.
2: I thought when they, you know, when Luger ultimately spun off and, you know, started battling the horsemen, I thought that worked out really well. Cause you know, I think having two alpha males in that group, I think is why they didn't click credit quite as well. But then when you have it, where you're getting to have them go against each other, I thought it made for magic.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah. It turned out to be a real good storyline. Just, just not the greatest fit.
0: Well, you got to make hay when the sun's shining, and sun was shining on Luger at this time, so they tried to take advantage of that. Sixth member of Barry Windom.
1: I'm with a four
0: horseman now. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, when I'm on this side looking
1: over there at y'all, I don't have butterflies because we all know for sure exactly what's going to happen. Horseman style is going to be done in this cage, and I guarantee you there's going to be some people hurting and crying and bleeding over there.
0: One of my favorite uh, versions of the group, Wyndham was the most, I'm not going to say the, but one of the most talented guys, not only in the group but in wrestling period, was a perfect fit for the horseman. He could adapt and fit any role they needed him to be in. Many fans feel this is the best version, uh, Flair, Arn, Tully, and Barry, me included. Uh, And this is the version that WWE inducted into the Hall of Fame, as we mentioned earlier. NWA United States Champion, NWA Western Heritage – I'm sorry, Western States Heritage Champion, NWA World Champion, NWA WCW and WWE Tag Team Champion, WCW TV Champion, WCW Triple Crown Champion – NWA North American champion WWE hall of fame rookie of the year, 1980 match of the year. Again, we can go on and on.
4: You know, you know, Flair and Arn both, uh, both have talked about Barry and, you know, Flair, Flair was notorious for his drinking, but before he did any of that, he would always go to the gym and he, he'd run and, you know, run his two or three miles every night or whatever it was. And, you know, w- wasn't as much of a runner as he was a, as a, you know, weightlifter. And, uh, one thing that they have both given uh, Barry credit for was dude never went to the gym he would wake up walk into the arena put on a five-star match and then just leave and go out and drink and party and do whatever and then just sleep dude never went into a gym he just had he had that natural talent just a natural natural born athlete
2: well he had such a great run you know 87 to 89. Uh, I I always thought he should have been pushed higher up on the card and, you know, be challenging for that heavyweight title. I think, you know, finally when he got his big push after Flair went to the WWF, uh, I thought maybe it was a little bit too late, but I thought the prime Wyndham to me was always that 87 to 89 timeframe, but what a great worker and what a great talent. And that, that, I think that that was my favorite group of the horsemen. And, uh, know so it shows hey it doesn't have to be always sometimes they always think hey is the original groups the best i mean that was the best working group of it what a combination
4: yeah absolutely they could they could have stopped right there and then everything would have been fine because because like you like you both have said you didn't get a better you didn't get a better four than those four right there
0: Mm -hmm. yeah seventh member sting
1: well in my opinion rick i think it is gonna be you but to be honest with you when you start saying sting's gotta walk that aisle it makes my heart go baboom 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 just like it was about two years ago but this time i know there's no problem because to be honest with you i said rick we don't have to do it like this and before i could finish my sentence both the anderson's and rick said no way sting you don't have to worry about a thing because everything is cool and besides that We want to keep this world title in the family. So whether it's Flair as the world champion or Sting as the world champion, it's going to be in the family. And I've never been in a family before, and it feels kind of good, to be honest with you.
0: It's a family tradition here, Oli. Only the best are in the horsemen. What better than to have a man like Sting? During a time when the horsemen were babyfaces, Sting with some of the same opponents. So naturally, uh, they just brought him in as a member. There's was down a person, needed a person, so why not? Uh, while a horseman, he became the number one contender to Flair's world title. Sting refused to give up his title shot and was kicked out of the group, turning the horseman heel in the process.
5: And I want you in particular to pay attention to it, Sting, because you're the reason we're here tonight. I want you to know, you're not gonna be a horseman anymore. It's over. No more horsemen for this thing. I don't-
1: Close your mouth a second. Sting, I bought you a little time a because roll it, roll of what it. you've done. Nah,
5: you're too easy. The whole deal is this. You got two hours to make up your mind, and you're no longer a horseman. And if we ever see you again, you're not going to be quite so lucky well, as know, you are wait tonight. Wait a minute, wait a um, minute, this doesn't
1: make any sense. Hey, wait a minute. I want to, oh. uh, <laughs> Come on. Look at this. I'm trying to tell you! I want you sometime! Not do that smart thing! Smart you! Get out of this business! Get rid of that contract! Get out of my life! You're good.
0: Sting's time as a horseman was short, but it definitely helped elevate his star status. Sting an NWA TV champion, NWA WCW TNA World Champion. WCW International Champion, WCW United States Champion, UWF, WCW, TNA Tag Team Champion, WCW Battle Bowl Winner, WCW Triple Crown Champion, Match of the Year, Wrestler of the Year, TNA, WWE Hall of Famer, and currently in AEW. Good for the storyline,
4: but but they Sting didn't need it. You know it, it was it was was what it was. But honestly, I mean that that dude's been on fire since he broke curtain. And, you know, in my opinion, he didn't need it. But I, I get it for the storyline part of it. Well, I think Fair everyone idea. saw I that
2: coming, you know, when he was going to turn on him. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a surprise. Everyone knew it was coming. And then what's funny is later, you know, 96, 97, they, they tried again where, you know, you know, Flair's, uh, you know, I need you, Sting, I need you. Then they came in our internal. And it's like we all saw that coming. And that's what recreated the horseman. Actually, it was late 95. Uh, you know, everyone saw that coming. It's like they almost tried to recreate exactly what they did with Luger, and Sting was just not a fit in it.
0: Number 8th member, Sid Vicious. Sid joined the horseman shortly after Sting was kicked out of the group. He was brought in as an enforcer. Come on in here. Just what everybody thought, it couldn't get any better. Take a look. This is
1: going to be the addition, the brand-new addition. Now we are at full strength. And if anybody has any doubt about what the horseman can do, Take a look at the man that's going to take care of RoboCop. RoboCop, I'm six foot nine, three 320 pounds. I am the real man of steel in the NWA, and you better learn to like it. We have amassed the true powers of professional wrestling right here. And with the big man on our side, we can't lose. Because from now on, we dominate. Professional wrestling. In my own articulate way, I'm gonna spell it out for the entire world. If you think we're playing Stack the Deck in Washington D.C., the most violent city in the country, where murder runs rampant, we're bringing the violence to Washington, my friend. Can't buck these odds. You are out of your noodle. Tell them they say one thing to Ted Turner and to everybody out there. I don't care if you're five years old. Are 50 years old. This guy is 6'10. He weighs 350 pounds. We came here to take care of business, and uphold the tradition of a horseman. Now, our boss, so to say, right here, has put together a plan. And we sit right here. We're going to get it done tonight.
0: But became a contender for the world title, which was held by Sting. He was a big part of one of the strongest versions of the Horseman, USWA. WCW WWE World Champion, WCW United States Champion. Years after being a horseman in 1993, there was a wild incident between Sid and Arn, where both stabbed each other. Arn stabbed over 20 times with a pair of scissors and nearly died. You guys can go back and check that episode out. Episode 83, we have a whole show about that. I think it was Chapman that was in on that with me.
4: Sure was, sure was. One of my favorite shows too, because anybody that knows, I, I'm just. Arn Anderson is, is my favorite of all time, and and what an interesting interesting bout that was between those two. And, you know, Sid, Sid. The thing about Sid is Sid always had that look. Dude was what six nine, six ten, probably, and uh, but he was jacked. You know, he he always had the look. You know, but you know the promos just weren't that great. And, you know, I think he told Nash that he was. Half the man that he was, but had half the brain. I half had half the brain.
0: the brain, you did something like that, yeah. Like, We're pal. live, pal. Yeah.
4: Dude was horrible on the mic. Horrible on the mic. But he had he had the look. And that's in my opinion, that's what got Sid the farthest in his career is just because of how great he looked.
3: Yeah, he hits the softball pretty far too. You know, you 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 know that way when, when when it comes back to book Sid that you literally have to book around softball season. At least he used to be like that. You had to book him around softball season.
4: (laughs) And you got to be careful. I mean, he's in Marion, Arkansas. He's only three hours away. So, Yeah.
2: Well, that's how it always was with him. Yeah, you're going to have to book around softball with Sid. I actually live the closest to him, so hopefully he doesn't come looking for me. But, yeah, I mean, he had the look. He just – it always just seemed like there was just something missing, whether it's the promos or or things like that. But that look had him so over – That crowd was hot for him in the early 90s, and I mean, if you watch, go back and watch some of those old pay-per-views, I mean, they are just popping when Sid comes out. He had the crowd in the palm of his hands, but just could never, like, really, to me, go to the next level.
0: I'm probably the minority. I I liked Sid. I liked his size. I liked, you know, just that big, crazy monster. Um, He was Ric Flair's least favorite member. Maybe Ric Flair's least favorite person after the, the Arn incident, but... Flair's got on record and said it said it was an embarrassment to the horseman.
1: Embarrassing. Described as vicious as a member, it was embarrassing. No talent, bad attitude. Never should have been there. And please put this on the DVD, because that's how I feel. He was so far from what we were when we were good. Ridiculous. Oh
3: wow.
4: Well, a lot of that, in my opinion, you know, there's no doubt about it. Flair comes out every week on Raw and talks about how Hunter's his best friend because that's who's, you know, ultimately signing his checks. But you're not going to find a tighter tighter couple than, than Rick and Arn, especially back in the 80s and 90s. And I would say that that was solely based on just the fact that, uh, of Arn and Sid's incident.
0: Yeah. Ninth member, Pretty Paul Roma.
1: My special guest tonight and the newest member of the Four Horsemen, is legitimately one of those kid-stealing, wheeling-dealing limousine-riding, jet-flying son of a gun that girls have kissed y'all. That made you cry. I'm talking about none other than styling and profiling pretty Paul Roma. Come on out here, Paul. Hey, does he not fit the demographic? Keep screaming, girls. Don't be ashamed of it. Paul, Welcome, brother, to the Horsemen. Thank you, it's a pleasure. You know, I don't think these people really realize the thousands of wrestlers you had to choose from, and you chose me to be a part of the most supreme elite group in professional wrestling today. The symbol that stands for, and always will be, excellence. Hey, it's the Four Horsemen. Paul, we got Fifi on our left, and we got the girls over here on our right, and there's- as the sun sets in the west, we're gonna rock and roll because the horsemen woo, are reunited
0: again. Lots of build and hype for this. People were expecting Tully to come back or another big name. Instead, they get Pretty Paul Roma, the WWE jobber. No offense to him, but that's what he was at the time. Uh, he joined when it was basically just Flair and Arn. He teamed up with Arn. They won the WCW tag titles, which was his first professional wrestling championship. They dropped the titles about a month later. Shortly after that, Roma turned heel and teamed up with Paul Orndorff, formed the tag team pretty wonderful. Most everyone feels Roma was not a good fit for the horseman. The horseman was looked at as being elite, and Roma just didn't fit the bill. Roma could work. It could
4: worker
0: so so when he joined the horsemen were faces and roma was an arrogant heel so I, I think had they been a heel group he probably would have fit in a little bit better because he had the look and he could work but timing is everything and timing was not right for paul roma to be a horseman
3: well and, and think about that, think about this every group in professional wrestling needs somebody to do the honors, they, they need somebody to, to, to you know, take the pin, whatever you want to call it. Uh, obviously, you know, if, if they're out there, you know, in a in a, a mega match with somebody else, we all knew if the horsemen were going to lose, we knew who was going to take the pin. You know, that's that, that was Paul Roma's job for the horsemen. But, you know, also,
4: I think he kind of had the same issue as Luger.
3: Roma's very arrogant. He's
4: very much, look at me, look at me. And he, and he did. He looked great. But I think I think his
3: I think his attitude and Flair's attitude kind of kinda of clash. I, I, I see I, I, I have to disagree with you because I you're, you you would I, I don't feel like you could have ever shook the fact that he was a a, a jobber in WWF for so long. I mean he gets and don't get me wrong, you know, he did. He looked he looked great, he had a good build, all that good stuff. But you know, you, you see him Every every week on Superstars or on Challenge, just getting mopped up by whoever it was. And
4: but he could work. Yeah, yeah, he could. Hey, here's the thing though. He went on to be one half of the second greatest tag team in the business. That's pretty wonderful. Second to Nasty Boys. But, yeah.
2: But man, uh, all, all I can say is what, as a 15 year old is a 15 year old kid who. Love WCW back in 93. I remember on a Flair for the Gold, one of my favorite shows, there's all this buildup. The horsemen are coming back. The horsemen are coming back. Hey, is it going to be Tully Blanchard? Is it going to be, you know, who, who's it going to be, the buildup? Is it going to be Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndor? i even been, uh, you know, on a book that I read about Brian Pillman, Flair had actually wanted Pillman to be a part of this group and come in then. And when Paul Roma were, walked out, the disappointment, I'm like, seriously, this is who the big surprise is? I, I mean, I was pissed <laughs> off, and it ruined it for me. You you literally, you
3: probably watched him a couple months prior to that, losing the, oh, gosh, I don't know.
0: Skinner. Uh, that's,
3: somebody, that's, not, don't know. that's not true because nobody watched the WWF
4: back then, okay? He probably just came off
0: a fresh loss to the Repo Man.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. But the Repo Man is a legend. <laughs>
0: Well, speaking of Pillman, you just mentioned in the 10th member, Flying Brian Pillman became a member of the horsemen during a feud between Arn and Flair, which never worked. Pillman helped Arn defeat Flair and Flair asked Sting to be his partner against the duo. I believe uh, believe McBee hit on this earlier. This was all a swerve where Flair turned on Sting and reformed the horsemen with Pillman as a member.
1: It's a chance of a lifetime to be a part of the greatest dynasty in the history of professional sports. Everybody on the planet wanted to be a horseman.
0: It was during this time where Pillman developed his loose cannon persona. Many think the loose cannon gimmick wasn't a good fit for the horseman, but it definitely elevated Brian Pillman. Pillman, WCW Lightweight Champion, NWA WCW Tag Team Champion. He's had a Feud of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Tag Team of the Year in the Canadian Wrestling Hall of Fame. And for whatever reason, when they inducted the Hart Foundation, they didn't include brown pillman in the wwe hall of fame
2: well pillman like Pretty when funny. he jo- when he joined this group man i was i was excited because you had benoit and pillman the reformation and i was like hey you got a youth movement you got benoit that can work and i know we'll talk about him you got pillman that could flat out work and you know it was september of 95 when they got together then You know, all of a sudden he started acting crazy during his interviews. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This loose cannon character started to form. So by January or February, he was already at the horseman. My thing is that run was just too short. We didn't really get to see because he was creating something else. I think Pillman, Flair really always respected Pillman because Pillman was a legitimate athlete, played for the Cincinnati Bengals, played in the CFL. Flair wanted to really bring him in sooner than he did. For whatever reason, the booking committee just viewed him as being too small. And I just, uh, this run was just too short. I thought it could have been so much more. But I really liked the character that it ended up building with the loose cannon that went on to do a lot of interesting things.
0: We did a whole episode yeah. on Pillman, episode 81, if you guys want to go back and hear that.
2: Yeah, when, when, did, when
3: did Pillman get into his uh, his accident? Was that... That could that could that have been the reason why they maybe cut you know cut cut that short wasn't he on crutches for some of the time that he was in was was a horseman
2: well actually yeah that was actually he had just he went to ECW where he was you know bouncing back and forth he was doing his 1 800 line and all that and they were supposed to have a match with Shane Douglas and then he ended up you know having the accident and ended up getting signed to a contract at the WWF but you know for a period of time there you know he was collecting a paycheck from the WWF ECW and WCW all at the same time. So he was playing them all against each other and got a great deal out of it. But he was actually unfortunately, first, two years later, he was dead.
0: He's one of the first hot free agents that people were. Every organization at the time was after this new loose cannon guy.
4: So here's my question though. You know, when you think of the four horsemen, do you think of cruiserweights?
0: Well, eventually yeah. look at the later members.
4: I know that's what I'm getting at, Malenko, Benoit, all those guys. But when I think of the, when I think of the Horsemen, I think of the elite, you know, the top of the top, with Barry Windham being one of them and Tully and all that. You know, for me, and I know we're getting to the other guys, but to me, the Cruiserweights, even though they went on to be, you know, heavyweight champions at other promotions, they they weren't they they weren't Horsemen to me.
0: I don't know. I've got a different opinion about size and wrestling than I used to. And I compare that to, and Steve Neal, appreciate this, Hoyce Gracie. He's about 150 pounds, but he could take down a 250 pound easily, just like that. So,
2: I'll just say, you know, if you look at it, you know, know, uh, pretty Paul Roma and Brian Pillman, what's the difference in size between them? There's not a lot. Uh, I think having that young athletic wrestler I, I think that's what they were initially going for we're gonna get some athletes in here and that's what uh, him and Benoit both were
0: I get what you're saying though Chapman because we're used to seeing Sid and Barry and Luger well, not, you know some pretty good-sized guys
4: not only that but you ask what the difference is between Pillman and Roma I'll tell you what the <laughs> difference is is Roma was never in a cruiserweight match Roma never held the cruiserweight title Roma wasn't built as a cruiserweight You've got like Billman, the light heavyweight championship, or whatever it was that he held. He was always built, just like Malenko and Benoit. They were built as smaller guys. Your, your—I don't want to say lower card guys, but your, yeah, your cruiserweight. Yeah, your cruiserweight division. Granted, they they went on to be heavyweight champions, you know. But, but yeah, when you think about it, you think of you know Barry Windham, who was six eight, Sid six ten. You know, yeah, you had Tully, but God, Tully—he may have only been five nine, but Jesus, his. You know his personality was seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. You got Arn Anderson, who's just you know the enforcer, the brawler. The if you want Flair, you got to come through. You know come through me. And and for me, I just this pretty much the rest of this list just
3: weren't horsemen for me. Mm-hmm. And you, you talk about how big some of those guys. A lot of people don't realize it. And you know I've told people you know over over the years that that. There's a handful of wrestlers that I've met that that just surprised me at how big they are. You know, um, Jeff Hardy, for instance. Jeff's a big guy, and he doesn't look like a big guy on TV. Uh, man, JJ Dillon, you just I, that guy looked eye to eye with me. I'm six foot four, two hundred seventy five pounds. Shoot, you know, and, and he was every bit you know looking at me eye to eye. He's a big, he's a big, big guy too. You know, uh, so when you when you go back and you look at, at some of the Interviews that he did later in WCW where he's standing up next to Mean Gene or something when he was, uh, oh, not the commissioner, but the board of directors guy or whatever. It, it just, you could see how big he was. He was a big guy too.
2: Well, and I think timing too was all about, you know, when they reformed the horseman, they've been waiting for a few years. When they brought him back, of course, at this time, now Hogan's in WCW. So basically, he's bringing them out to job them out every week. And I remember a couple of weeks into them getting back, they're feuding with Hogan. Hogan is basically beating up all four Horsemen. All four of them are on their knees begging him off. And you know, when Pillman really did start getting going the next year with the loose cannon gimmick. Then you know, Hogan actually ended up coming back and like I need him to come back so he can lose in the Tower of Doom match where me and Macho Man are taking on sixteen people. So the booking at this time. I think the, the Horsemen just wasn't the same when they got them back together. You got crazy cartoon characters like the Dungeon of Doom, yes, no, yes, no, and all that crazy stuff. And, hey, you know, it just dude, didn't fit at this I, time. I love the Dun- so what, what, what you're saying, McBee, is that didn't
3: work for him, brother. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and
2: that's the truth. It didn't work for Hogan, and, you know, he was bringing him in just to basically job him out, and that was tough for me as a Horseman fan who had watched him since the mid-'80s. To see how they were being used, they wasn't that dominant faction anymore. Right,
4: I'll have to look it
2: up. One
4: out, one thing about uh, while we're talking about Hogan is there was I think it, I can't remember if it was a Nitro or if it was a WCW Saturday Night, but there is a match where Arn Anderson
2: defeated Hulk Hogan, went over clean I'm, on it. I've
0: got that uh, clip that will be in this YouTube episode. Yeah, that Good. was that
2: was early '96. Actually, twice, two weeks on a row on Monday Nitro back to back. Uh, they wasn't completely hundred percent clean. Yeah, I mean he, you know, he had to have you know twenty guys help knock knock Hogan out. But uh, that that was that was that was something you didn't see very much. So out of Hogan's twenty six losses, you got two of them to double a. But you know, hey, Hogan loses more than he wins.
0: Sure.
4: From,
2: from what he says,
4: that kind of just that kind of just goes to show whether it's booking or whether it was Hogan, how much respect they had for Arn Anderson. So, to yeah. go over Hulk Hogan, one of the Greatest, biggest talents and, and acquisitions ever, and you got Arn Anderson, who's you know, like I said, my one of my favorite all time favorites, but
3: a mid carder, you know, a tag guy,
4: going over on Hulk Hogan, you know, to
3: me that's huge. He, I, I, you know, it, it's hard to say he was a mid carder hey, because but, he was always upper, I, you know, he was low main event, high mid card, you know, right. But he was he was, and what I mean by mid card is he just never got that heavyweight title push. Yeah. You know, he never he cha- You know, he never never really even chased well but here's the thing he didn't need it no 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 he didn't he didn't need it you know a lot of guy a lot of guys couldn't get put in that position because they would want you know they would want to be pushed to the moon for whatever reason and it, 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 you know are to me Arm seemed are seemed like a, a very selfless person you know uh it was al- always about business you know wasn't about putting him in the top spot or whatever you know just he went out there and just made magic, man. We, we mentioned
0: way. him earlier, but the 11th member, Chris Benoit.
1: I- Enter the fourth <laughs> horseman, the crippler, Benoit. It's quite obvious that you're not aware of who you're dealing with, and you're going to find out exactly why they call me the crippler. Get out while you can. All of you, the Ooh. last you you may be your own. <laughs>
0: I know he wasn't big in in stature and size, but Benoit seemed like a natural as a horseman. He joined when Pillman left and became the longest tenured member of the group, other than Flair and Arn. As a horseman, Benoit elevated himself and stayed near the top of WCW and WWE until he died. ECW, WCW, WWE tag champ, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champ, WWF lightweight champ. This is that was back when they had to deal with uh, some Canadian promotion, WCW, WWF, world champion, WCW, television champion, WWF, WCW, uh, United States champion, WCW and and WWE triple crown champion, WWE intercontinental champion, WWE Royal Rumble winner of 2004, feud of the year, match of the year, wrestler of the year, personal stuff aside, you can't deny, Crispin Maul was a very talented wrestler.
3: Oh, you know, it, it, again, man, oh man, you just going down and listing his accomplishments right there. It just it makes you kind of, kind of realize how, regardless of whatever happened, just how how influential he was in, in in wrestling. You know, at the time when they first, when he first joined the Horsemen. I, I i think i i was kind of a naysayer i i didn't you know i for whatever reason it just to me it wasn't a fit but boy did he make me a believer and make me a fan you know of that that version you know just that that wolverine you know just kind of kind of took the place of the enforcer yeah yeah you know it's like' we send send benoit in there you know i can't remember
4: what what promo or what uh, what who was talking maybe been R, I i can't remember but uh, I remember one thing that sticks out about Benoit to me the most is they were in the uh, what do you call it? The, the the box seats or whatever
1: mm.
4: up top and and at an event and they were going to end up coming down through the crowd and jumping whoever was in the ring. But uh, the, the story goes that uh, there was a kid that kept looking at Benoit and would kept you know holding up the four four fingers and you know Benoit was like you know yeah yeah. Well, I guess he finally got irritated because the kid just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. And he looks at Arn and is like, you know, what the what the heck is this kid doing, man? He said, Throw the forward and see if he does it. Arn looks at him and says, Man, obviously you can't see. He said, The kid's not doing the four, he's waving. The kid didn't have a thumb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well man, uh, from ninety five to, to ninety eight when the horsemen ended up disbanding. I mean, if you look at the booking they had during that time frame, though, the storylines that they had for, for Benoit was not good. You know, they had his feud with Kevin Sullivan, you know, then that tied into all the stuff with Nancy and, and all that kind of stuff. A, a storyline that ended up becoming real life. But then he was, he was actually not booked very well. I mean, a lot of the feuds that he had while he was actually part of the horseman, you know, he never got victories over guys in the NWO. He, they would never escalate him to that next group. And then finally, you know, in 2000, when he finally wins the, you know, the WCW championship, that's why he took off. Because, I mean, he just was never used right. I thought he could have done so much more as a horseman. The fans were behind him. When he would hit some of those moves, they were just so, you, you know, it was just so solid. I mean, it made it feel, you could feel it. And it was just always frustrating because, yeah, he was kind of booked as the jobber of the horseman. You know, if Rick... And Benoit are taking on two guys in the NWO. Benoit's getting pinned. I mean, that's what happened all the time, and it was just frustrating.
3: Yeah. Well, so for me, you know, I, I back in '95, '96, '97, I was a, a huge Chris Benoit fan. I did, you know, he, he just he was one of those guys that that come across as believable. Everything he did was believable. Whether it was a punch, you know, it was believable. You know, and he wasn't one that catered to the crowd. It, it just like he, his job was going there, beat your ass and then go home. You know, if you go back and you look at some of his his, his WCW stuff, you know, when, when when he would hit the top rope for, you know, for the, the patented headbutt off the top rope, you know, he never he never went to the to the to the turnbuckle and looked at the crowd, you know, for the approval, so to speak. He just, you know, he got out there. He did it in a, in a way that it, it was. No. Yep, he put he just go straight to the top and do it. But you know, there was some showmanship about how he was doing it. But it was different. It wasn't, you know, t- you know, take one step on the turnbuckle, look at the crowd, you know, and then take another step, and then it just, you know, I, he he was a great performer, man. Crispin Waugh was a great performer, and and uh, you know, it's unfortunate what happened. Uh,
2: well, man, it was just—it was just devastating because he had such a great career. But like that is what he's known for, and his legacy is ultimately going to be tarnished. Uh, you know, as a wrestler, definitely should be a Hall of Famer, but because of what he did in those last forty-eight hours of his life, definitely not a Hall of Famer as a person. Wait on is
1: his son? Uh, is it David? Daniel. Da- uh, yeah,
4: Daniel. Daniel. You know, he's—he's he's, uh, like. You know, it's scary how much they look alike, but... Oh, you know, uh, I think that's David Daniel. Is it David? Yeah, the older yeah. one? It yeah. is the way that much they look alike. Oh, and it sucks because, you know, he wants to get into the business and wants to get in and show everybody what he's made of. And, you know, if he's got a
3: quarter of the talent that his dad did. He could be a top star, but that last name, you know, he'll never get it. Well, it's not only his last name, but God, guys, he looks... I mean, it's almost like looking at, you know, a young Chris Benoit, you know, but... Uh, it wow. just sucks because it's
4: not his fault.
3: No. Right. But he had held back because mm-hmm. of it. Boy, wouldn't, wouldn't you know, to get trained and, and to see him and Brian Pillman Jr. you know team up later in life? You know, wouldn't that be something? You That'd know? be pretty but, sweet. You
0: know. 12th member, Steve Mongo McMichael. Mongo, probably the unlikeliest member of the Horseman. Well, listen, my friend, anytime you get a chance to be a full horseman, you jump at it.
1: Listen up. Showed the difference between a Shetland Pony and a Four Horseman tonight.
0: Former football player turned radio show host, started out as a commentator for the very first WCW Monday Nitro, originally teamed with fellow football player the late Kevin Green, and feuded with Flair and Arn. All a swerve, just like with the Sting thing, just like uh, uh, the other tag team we mentioned earlier. Mongo turned on Green during the match and joined the Horseman. Mongo will never be considered an elite wrestler but he was a horseman and he definitely lived the lifestyle WCW United States champion last seen somewhere at a strip club.
3: Oh man, there's a video that I shared on my Facebook last 2 weeks ago, I don't know. Mongo, Mongo is ready to wrestle and it they you know they to the clown car music and all that good stuff. knew to get that spot.
4: <laughs> Here's the thing, though, and I, I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. I think we
3: can all agree at least Roma could work. Well, you, you know, you, you said, what What? did you say? There were 15 for the horsemen, right? I think I summed it up best. Either Mongo is going to be your fifth favorite horseman or your 15th. There is no in-between. <laughs>
2: well, yeah. the, the, the whole thing with Mongo, <laughs> Flair wanted him on there because he was an athlete. I think Flair is the one that pushed it. He like Flair liked having those guys that were legitimate athletes and could go similar to like bringing Pillman in, you know, earlier than that. But Mongo, by the time he got into professional wrestling, his football career, which you know, fantastic career he had in the NFL, it just destroyed his knees. And you know, he wasn't the same athlete that he was when he won the the Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears in '85. And unfortunately, he could never work. And it was almost it was scary, like. Like, he's legitimately going to hurt someone. And that video that, that you posted, man, that says all you need to know right there. Check out Stephen E.'s feed. Check it out.
4: But I will say, let's give a shout-out to the Space Cowboy, Jason Jones, because Mongo is his favorite Horseman
3: member. Of all time. So, yeah, you know, there you go for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I – you know – now, now since, since we're including Mongo as, as one of the horsemen, does that leave Pepe out of the equation? Or is Pepe <laughs> an honorary member of the horsemen?
0: He's the four and a quarter.
3: Oh yeah, he, yeah he, he, he's, he's an honorary member of the horsemen, Pepe the, the, the Chihuahua dog. <laughs> you know, the bad
4: part is Mongo was no better on the mic uh, doing commentary than he was in the ring.
3: It
2: was just a circus all the way around. Yeah. God,
4: Mongo, you were horrible.
2: Well, hey, Mongo did bring one thing to the professional wrestling business. That's his wife, Deborah and puppies. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Or two things to the business.
3: That spawned off a whole new generation right there.
0: And and speaking of her, the 13th member, Jeff Jarrett.
3: The
5: four horsemen are way up here, and they're going to stay up here with Jeff Jarrett, a member.
0: Only a horseman from February to June in 1997 joined the Horseman in a storyline that nearly split the group. Flair wanted J- Jarrett to join My Arn, Benoit, and Mongo were against it. Jarrett eventually became a member, but Mongo and him started feuding, uh, have to do with uh, – uh, what's her name? Deborah. Jarrett was a member of, again, only four months, USWA, NWA, TNA, WCW World Champion, TNA King of the Mountain Champion, USWA, WWE Tag Team Champion – WCW United States champion, USWA world tag champion, NWA North American champion, WWF intercontinental champion, WWF uh, European champion, TNA and WWE Hall of Fame member working in WWE today, Jeff Jarrett. Thoughts on him?
2: And the worst outfit of all time, that terrible Chippendales outfit. God, why do you have to mention that? I didn't want to ever see something like that again. Terrible. Terrible.
3: Accolades, uh, he was the uh, Global Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Again, I didn't include all the little territories and then uh, his GWF thing that he started at one time, but
2: yeah. 5,000 guitars never drew a dime. Hmm. You know, honestly, though, you look at Jeff Jarrett's career, and Jeff Jarrett was a great worker. He
4: really was. He was a great showman. He could do a lot, but I mean, he, again, the The biggest problem they had after Barry was was all these guys that that were a lot like Flair that had a lot of the same similarities, you know, the look at me or the the lifestyle and stuff like that. Look at Jarrett, you had the blonde hair, you had the strut, you had the figure four leg lock. You know, I don't think that was a big downfall. there's just
0: was I think just never gonna work. This version of Jarrett was a horrible member. But fast forward, when he started uh, his stuff thing with Arn, or not Arn, Owen, and he started, uh, he changed up his, his outfit, he cut his hair, he had more edge to him when he came back to WCW. That would have been a much better fit for the horseman than this Chippendales long, blonde haired guy. It
2: looked he dated. It
4: looked dated. Yeah. And, then, and then again, why? Because that takes away what Flair's doing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the long hair, the strut, and the figure four he's got more of that edge that attitude era almost like
3: uh,
4: i mean a souped up horn i
3: you, you know i'm gonna, I, I have to agree with you uh, man that outfit that he wore whoever designed his gear said that this was a good idea was absolutely going like he's trying to he's trying to get him booted out you know it's like hey here here's a great idea put this on yeah right well, don't forget right. the don't forget the cowboy hat with the double
0: j that used to
3: light up well, but that was that was a character driven, you know. Uh You know, he was a character. He was double J, Jeff Jarrett, J E double A. Yeah, once he dropped
0: that character, he still rocked those ugly things. Why? Yeah, it
2: was horrible. Hey, I mean, that, the hat was great. You know what's crazy? That. What's crazy is it was '97, so you got the NW. It's all about reality TV. They're destroying people in the back parking lot. These guys, you know, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, real characters. And then you still had him in this mid-80s wrestling outfit with the hair and everything. It just seemed so dated, and it it, it didn't fit. It just didn't fit when he came over, and I think that's why it was so short-term. Yeah, the Jarrett that came back to WCW later, that character, I think, could have fit in. But the Jarrett at that time, it was wrong place, wrong time. Well, you know, here's the thing. The Horseman didn't need a country music star
3: over there, you know, I mean he just couldn't wait to be with my baby tonight. Well, you know, you know, you know, when he invented himself so to speak and came back to WCW with the Slap Nuts character, I I I personally like that character. I like you know, I like I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna pop for anybody who comes and I don't care if even today, you know, because Elias is a recycled you know character from you know from Jeff Jarrett with the guitar and stuff. If you see him out there with the guitar Nine times out of ten, he's going to use it to some some advantage. But, you know, seeing Jeff Jarrett go in and just bust people up with that thing and, and seeing him do it every – you know, it seemed like every week he was hitting them. And, and you got to love that baby powder effect. Hey, I, I tell you what, man, I'm not going to lie. When, when he when, – you know, he had a couple of weeks, I think mean, it was probably two years ago, where he came out and he wore matches man I right, up, right after the hall of fame is that what it was yeah i popped forward matches i was good to see jeff Jarrett. you know it just kind of tickled that nostalgic bone that i have and and you know i was i was you know kind of reminiscent of when the new age outlaws came back you know uh mm-hmm. it just you know it just reminded me of old times i don't know I, I i and besides when he came out he looked god he looked Look good. good he looked just as good as he did you know his last couple of years and you know it doesn't look like he aged in 20 years type thing. But but I, I think you're right. When you when you look at at Jarrett back in in the nineties, he just kinda he just kind of looked like a, a small Ric Flair, you know. Mm-hmm. You'd almost think that that with the feathered blonde hair, you know, and the arrogance and and again yeah, the, strut, the strut, the figure four. I mean, he's almost a carbon copy of that. It would have been interesting to see. What, uh, what would have happened if they would have, would have turned him into a little nature instead of giving that spot to, you know. Uh,
0: Charles uh, Robinson? Oh, Robinson, yeah, yeah. 14th member, Kurt Hennig.
1: Back to the glory and the prominence that the four horsemen once had. And I'm gonna tell you what your prize is. It's not a spot with the horsemen because this is worth a lot more than that to me. I'm gonna give you the only thing I got left. Not a spot, not a spot, I'll give you my spot.
5: You know, I know every wrestler that's ever been around or involved in this business we call wrestling, who would pass up the honor to not only be a horseman, but to come out and take Arn Anderson's spot as the enforcer of the four horsemen, I have only one thing to say, it would be a privilege. I think History of the making. New member of the four horsemen officially tonight, Kurt Henning, joining Steve Monga, McMichael, Chris Benoit, and the Nature Boy, Rick Blair.
0: Only a member from August 25th, 1997, to a few weeks later, September 14th, 1997. Arn had to retire due to his neck, and Kurt was chosen to take Arn's spot, which is a whole other issue. Henning accepted, but turned on the horseman a few weeks later and joined the NWO and then later formed another legendary iconic stable, the West Texas Rednecks. He was a member for less than a uh, month. It is crap.
4: <laughs> What's oh, bad man. is
0: this could have been really good. Unfortunately, it was short-lived and mainly just known for the swerve. But, man, that, that could have been money. It really could have been.
3: Does he hold the distinctive honor of being the shortest tenured uh, yep. uh, horseman? Yep, him and probably what, uh,
0: Jarrett's next.
3: Jarrett's next. Where's Luger at on the list? Luger's right there, too, right?
0: Yeah, he made it about a year.
3: Did he go a year? Sting (laughs) Sting was a
0: short one, Sting's probably uh, third.
3: Yeah, that's What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know, hitting the
4: set. That whole reveal is Tenning was perfect to take on
0: to Yeah. Penning AWA World Champion, AWA NWA WCW Tag Champion, WCW United States Champion, WWF Intercontinental Champion, and WWE Hall of Famer. Well,
4: and another one that's a main event player stuck in a
3: mid-card situation, just like Arn. You know, I just, I don't know. There, there's a lot of stuff, to there's, there's way too much, you know, accomplishments to list, you know, I mean, like, I don't know anybody else who uh, threw a football 50 yards and then caught it himself, you know, uh, who did he play, did he play, uh, was it Dominic Wilkins, that, that was in the little, you know, he had some NBA players uh, back in the 80s when he did a perfect deal, and uh, uh, I think he bowled the 300 game you know, I mean, he's got a lot of accomplishments, man, I missed, I miss Kurt. You know, you talk about gone way too fast, man. I, I think that that he was the guy that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people, stress out or not stress, but talk about, you know, the guy that that should have won a belt that didn't. You know, that's always an argument that, that people say, not a belt, but you know, the heavyweight championship. Yeah, the heavyweight. Man, Kurt Henning was was that guy. You know, if, if, at any time, you know, I know he, I know he retired for a few years in WWF, but. You know, in fact, actually, he, he took on as he took on the role of a manager for for Ric Flair, I believe. And uh, man, he was just, he if, if if demons, if injuries, whatever it was, hadn't gotten in the way with him,
2: man, sky was the limit, and, and who knows what we would see today. Man, he was so good. I mean, he was just absolutely, like you said, he was absolutely perfect in the ring. And the storyline that happened here, basically, this killed the Horseman. You know, they're going to come back in 98 and try to reform, but this was the end. And not only did it kill the horsemen, it killed the town that it happened in. That pay-per-view, I think it was Fall Brawl in Greensboro, that town never drew a dime again after that. I mean, it killed the town, and it, ju- it just crushed it. It's like, but why did the NWO need Kurt Hitting? That's, that's what I've always wanted someone to explain to me. They've been running, you know, roughshod over the WCW for two years, just destroying them. So now, hey, we're finally after two years. We're gonna have the Horsemen take on, you know, the NWO, and then in three weeks, just crush it. You know, you got that great me, passing of the torch. You had that fantastic patch, passing of the torch, and basically, they just took it and just pissed all over the legacy of the Four Horsemen with this, and it, it was just, uh, oh. I mean, it, that was that was when it was. I started to switch over too, to the. WWF because look at this you had this happen in fall 97 so you got all the horseman fans that are pissed off then you have Hogan won't do a clean job you can just see the writing on the wall I mean if you keep pissing people off and you don't every once in a while give them something they want it's going to come back to bite you
4: uh, well just the just a amount of disrespect towards Arne Anderson a guy who who literally still to this day is given his life to this business and and you know it, if you should have been world champion, but never was. You know another guy like that, but you know just just that Anderson name and and everybody everybody in the '80s and '90s knows you know knew who Arn Anderson was. And for you to take it and literally, like you said, just piss all over not just the horseman, but but him in general. You know, and he's talked about this and told you know about that whole angle, and you know they they say, oh well, he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming, and he'll quite. I tell you. You know, he didn't. No. he didn't have a clue how yeah. bad it was gonna be. And the thing that you know, the thing that, that makes you you know, you, you see these guys on T V and then you know, Hogan, any, anybody, Warrior, all these guys, macho, and you kinda of forget that they're human at time and, and, and during Arn's podcast, uh, when it was asked ask Arn anything, somebody brought this up. And Arn flat out said the worst part about that whole ordeal that they did was how ashamed his wife was and how embarrassed. And he said, "That's what hurt him more than anything.
3: Yeah. It, it just brings you back into the human." Well, it, 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 at that point, you know, uh, who was booking? Who was booking? Was that uh, was that Bischoff, or was that Ruth? I think Bischoff. Whatever. Not if you, not if you ask Bischoff, he'll tell you. You know, it was, it, was it. Yeah, it was Kevin Sullivan. Kevin yeah. Sullivan. <laughs> well, what, what, what I'm saying is that, that you know, to me at the time, it, it, it felt as if they were trying to destroy the legacy that the horseman had built. Mm-hmm. No, know? absolutely. Um, you know, I. You know, I, I I was as I was just I was as big of an NWO fan as the next guy was, but when they came out and they cut that promo and 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 did that that skit in the ring, even I just thought, man, that was that was just too much. You know, I felt like you know you 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 step over a line, and 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 there's no doubt in my mind that I felt like they they did step over the line. You know, there, but man, you know how do I say it, we, you know, when, when, you, when you're talking about booking, you know, of course, that was kind of the the start of the decline of WCW, and, and you know, when you look back on it, why would you take somebody like the Four Horsemen, who is in a, an elite group, and and do what you did to them, you know, uh, unless you plan on, you know, unless you plan on, on letting them, you know, basically chase the glory after that, you know, take a beat down for so long, or whatever, storyline-wise, and then turn around and, and and get the upper hand and, and go over in the future or whatever. But you know, I just felt like I just felt like whoever was booking the time was just beating, you know, beating the horseman down and I, I really felt bad. You know. Well not only that, but it was, you know, it was legit. I didn't have a choice. He was done.
4: He couldn't wrestle anymore. So you got you got him having to accept the fact that that's something that he's grown up to do his, his entire life, he can't do anymore. And he doesn't want to retire, but he's forced to. And then you know you have these guys come out and just man it's just it's just you know a, a promo is a promo but this was just a, a blatant amount of disrespect and it was just just uncalled for all altogether
1: all together. I tell,
3: tell you what, it had a lasting effect because here we are twenty years later and I, I you know it kind of pisses me off just to talk about it. You know, but Bischoff, <laughs> you know, I'll,
4: I'll give Bischoff credit; he's even come out and said, you know, if he could do it all over again, he wouldn't have done that.
2: Well, they, they did that promo. And so what I kept expecting, I was, Hey, they've done the promo. So they've destroyed the Horsemen for two years. Finally, the horseman's going to start to get some retribution and they never did. There was never any retribution. They always jobbed out every match. They was in, they always lost to the NWO. And you know, if that's happening over and over again, how can you take it serious when down the road, you know, like the next year, 98, they reform, Oh, we're going to battle the NWO. You're not, you've battled them 50 billion times, and you get whipped every time. And you may you're made to look foolish because a lot of these attacks will be like, All right, Mongo's getting attacked. There's three other horsemen that they just showed a minute ago, but where are they to back them up while 20 you know NWO guys are beating this guy in the ring? I mean, it you know, just it just made no sense. They made him look foolish,
3: yeah. Yep, I agree with you 100%. But I mean, it was
4: Mongo, so nobody cared.
0: 15th member Dean Malenko from September 98 to May 99 Malenko.
1: The number one most elite wrestling outfit in the world today. We will be the four Woo horsemen. Because he's the man of a thousand holds and he's a horseman. I'm ready. able. As the horsemen are back and back for good. Reunited, baby! Woo!
0: Was the final horseman to date. I say to date because you never know. There could be a, another reformation. While Flair was off TV, Malenko and Benoit Pestered aren't about reforming the group. Once Flair retor- returned, the horseman was reformed.
1: The most elite group that Eric Bischoff said was there! alive and well.
0: Malenko, an ECW TV champion, ECW tag champion, PWI number one wrestler of the year, WCW cruiserweight champion, WCW United States champion, WCW world tag champion, uh, WWF lightweight champion, Feud of the year, and uh, more accolades. Currently in AEW.
4: You know, here's the thing. Is, Is Malenko another one? Nothing against him. Absolutely nothing against him. I loved his gimmick. I love the man of a thousand holds, you know, um, even though he looks like Dave Matthews, he was a great worker, but the, the but again, you know, he was a crazy weight. And to me, it just, it, it didn't fit even when they were in the ring and they were bringing back flair and they were all standing there in suit and tie and, and everything. It just, it just didn't fit. They're just, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a horseman moment to me. Yeah. You know, that it was just it was
3: it was the horseman and two cruiserweights. So the fine was the final the final incarnation was uh, Flair Mongo? Benoit no?
4: No, Flair. Well it was still an been Arne, right? Arn was still no
0: up. Flair, Mongo, Benoit, and Malenko.
2: Right, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the group that's gonna take down the NWO and all these groups. I mean it wasn't believable. <laughs>
0: Well, oh, Horsemen disbanded in '99, but in 2012, the version of Flair, Arn, Tully, Barry, and JJ were inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame. The original four Horsemen were innovative, and and without them, man, there'd be no NWO. There'd be no Evolution. I mean, they started a trend that we're still seeing today. Still be the nasty boys. So. You know,
3: you don't Think about it. Think about it. Think about you know. Uh, uh, the four horsemen attacking dusty roads in a gas station, you know, a uh, guy running up with a big camera on his shoulder. You know, if you think about it and that was a segue, that, that, that was a prelude to the NWO, the NWO that, I mean, they, they were notorious for that kind of stuff. That's, they took a page from the early horsemen uh, uh, book and, yep. and and that kind of stuff, you know, Well,
4: and here's the deal, you know, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Hogan, all of them can take all the credit they want to for being the best faction and all this. But the fact is, they were never locked in a steel cage with a full-on riot in the Omni trying to figure out how to get backstage like the four horsemen were when they attacked Dusty. And that, my friends, is legit. They attacked Dusty, and it caused a full-on riot, and they had to wait for the police department to come to actually clear them a path to get them out of harm's way. When you can do something like that,
3: that's when you know that you're over, and that's when you know that you are an elite.
4: You know, the only the only the only
3: the only type of heat or the only person that could bring that type of heat is a
2: Saudi prince.
0: <laughs> all right, round table. B, who's your favorite member?
2: Um, I, I would say my favorite member's got to be, you know, Flair. Flair's always got to be my favorite member. But the horsemen to me, they're always going to be the symbol of excellence. And when I think of uh, factions, that's always the greatest faction of all time.
0: Bad luck, Chapman, favorite member.
2: Art Anderson, double
3: A. Stephen E. I I I think there's only you know the, to me there's only one favorite you can you know you can go down the 15 and you can put them in order but Ric Flair no Ric Flair I could I could kind of make like a light joke and say Mongo but man <laughs> like the horse was Ric Flair to this I get day it. when you when you think of horsemen if you don't think of you know, uh, uh, sunglasses and blonde hair and suit. See, and, and I don't,
4: again. man. I, I think
3: of Arne Anderson
4: standing there in that satin jacket, the big old square, you know, yellow tinted glasses. He's standing there and he's got his side profile. And he goes, you talk about the horseman. You talk about your revelating. You know, he throws up those, that to me is the horseman. Yeah. I got to go Arne,
0: he was the, the original group, and he was in the last, the very last group. I got to go. Flair, least favorite, McBee.
2: All right, I know. uh I know Chapman's going to disagree with me, but uh Roma's yeah. the only jobber. Ro, Roma's the jobber of the group because at least Mongo, they still had, even though he's terrible, he was winning his matches. You don't bring in a WWF jobber that's working house shows, jobbing out in yeah. And make him a horseman. For the love of God, you had Steve Austin in there. Why not make Austin a horseman? All the all the possibilities, and we get Paul freaking Roma. Hey,
0: let
4: me tell you,
2: something. Let me comment on that on a for real note. Stunning
4: Steve Austin. I a hundred and ten percent think could have pulled off being a horseman back then.
0: Oh yeah, I we'll really get. Do. We'll get to that question in a second. Who's your least favorite member?
4: Uh, least favorite. I'm probably going to go with Sid, and the reason why and not Mongo is simply because Mongo was entertaining to me. He was man. so bad.
0: That was Flair's least favorite. Was.
3: Yep. Oh. Well, you know, of course, uh, uh, you know, favorite, going to obviously go with Rick Flair. When you talk about my least favorite horseman, gosh, man. I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to side with you, McBee. I'm going to have to side with you. Paul Roma, man. Like when you think of, when you think of of horsemen, Paul Roma does not fit the equation. I'm sorry.
0: I want to have to go with Roma as well, but you know who else was a terrible horseman? Sting. I'm sorry. He's an icon. He did not need to be in the horsemen. They're limousine riding jet flying. They're not makeup wearing surfers. No.
4: Oh, I agree. You know, I do agree with that. He was, you know, Sid was my least favorite as far as the person, but the least favorite faction would have been with Sting because right? I agree he didn't need it he didn't belong.
0: Okay, who's your fa- out of all the versions? Who's your favorite group?
4: Oh, the one with Barry. Yeah, Barry Horn Tolley and Blair. Uh, I would agree with.
2: You. Yeah, I
0: agree. I ran that poll, and uh, all of us agree. The third most popular. Uh, Flair, Arn, Wyndham, and Sid. The second most popular was Flair, Arn, Oli, and Tully, the original. And then uh, most everybody voted their first uh, – their favorite was Flair, Arn, Tully, and Barry, the Hall of Fame version.
1: And I'll
4: tell you how bad it was with Sid. I just thought about this. There was actually a promo pic, and maybe it was War Games or something, but they're all standing there in suits and, and dressed like they dress, and they've got Sid in the background in like a wife beater and some camo pants or something. Just, just a worst, worst member, worst member
2: ever. You mentioned he thought it was softball practice. He didn't realize they were doing. He thought it was a softball practice.
0: We we talked about Steve Austin would be a good member back then. Let's go back in the past. Let's think of four people, not not to make the whole group, but four people who could sub in and be a member. I'm going to go: Gino Hernandez, Ted DiBiase, Steve Austin, and Rick Rude. Oh
3: man. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that's unfair. Cause that right there. Yeah. It's unfair to put us on a spot like that and want us to put, you know, that, that man, you, you hit the nail on the head yeah. right there. Gino Hernandez, boy, wouldn't that have been something?
4: Well, and, and Ted DiBiase, you know, Ted DiBiase yeah. had that look, had that arrogance and, and uh, oh my God. And he, and he
0: didn't need to be the world champion. So he wouldn't interfere with any of Flair's dealings. I mean, Rick Rude and who? Uh, Steve Austin.
4: I, I don't know if you find a better group back then, a better four. I mean that's yeah. that's tough.
3: Yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, you know, I, Gino Hernandez, of course. I I gotta throw this out there because I know that there was there was loose talk years ago about him becoming one of of the members. Was Bobby Eaton? You know, Bobby Eaton. They talked about Bobby yeah. becoming a Horseman. I think Bobby. Bobby become a horseman. You,
4: know, you know, the problem though is, is if you look at all the horsemen throughout the years, except for Sid, they could all talk on the mic. Malenko
0: Malink- didn't talk much. Or Oli. They, they would.
3: They would. Yeah. You know, and you Bobby know. would. Well, you know, that, that. could he could he have done as bad of a job as like a Benoit? Because Benoit his promos were pretty yeah. bad. Malenko but see Malinko the problem is weren't Right, and I'm not saying he could do, he would do
4: But that's where J.J.
0: Work. Dillon could have came in. Mm-hmm.
4: But, but at least they would talk. You know? Yeah. Bobby accepted mid states when the first times I met him, and uh, you know they had that big thing, and Bobby Jay stuck the mic over, and Bobby's like, <clears throat> you know. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you know that's that's what you got.
3: Well, yeah, but you know if you ask Bobby, Bobby will tell you that that that's not your strong. Right. That's yeah. That's I'm all right. I'm saying is worker-wise,
4: absolutely, yeah, absolutely. for it. I like
0: that addition though, Stephen E. Bobby Eaton. What about you, McBee?
2: Man, the group that you said, I, I just don't. I can't think of anything better than that group. I think every single one of them fit. Um. I think I think that's the group right there. I mean, I can't think of anyone else that would be a better fit than that.
3: Let's play this game. Who would be the who would be the least uh, if the four horsemen consisted of four members like let's say Mongo, Jeff Jarrett, uh, oh you know God. the worst four horsemen. Sid, Sid. Well, you know, Sid would have probably shined at Sid that. Sid and point. Roma.
1: Jesus,
3: <laughs> but you know. I mean, Imagine if we'd gotten, you know, uh, uh, four guys that that you know that are you know in the in the shockmaster, the, the eleven eleven through fifteen, you know, as uh, as as a horseman, you know. I'm surprised they didn't book that oh, <laughs> towards goodness. the end, you know. Um, but man, when you that that that's a tough question, uh, sumo. That is a real tough because you know, gosh, who would you know? I I don't know. I don't know. You know what? What you know? Rude. Austin, gosh, man, that, that's...
4: Go ahead, come on, ask us about our current pick, because I already got them. Oh, boy, you already okay.
0: Talking about modern stuff, I think the closest thing we have that's that's real right now is the Undisputed Era. There's really no leader. They, they all compete as singles, as tags, whatever. But if you could take four people from the WWE and then four people on AEW, who would you choose for a modern-day four horseman?
4: I don't really care about the WWE, but I'm going to tell you right now, Cody Rhodes, FTR,
3: Hangman Adam Page. No bad. Yeah, that's not too shabby. If you if I could just lump everybody up, I think FTR has got to be in there. Um, I, I I think that uh, there there's somebody that uh, really kind of just fits that mold. Um, Dude, Cody, 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 the way that Cody's turning out right now, though, man, Cody fits that. Yeah. Yeah. that too I, I i you know i might i'm catch a little bit in this but you know could you imagine the miz you know i i this is one of the you know when when he's going man i think he's one of the one of the the hottest heels you know in, in, in wrestling and you know i think he would have been a. I think he would have been a good fit
0: Well, i think wwe i think you got to have randy orton AJ Styles, yeah. The Miz, Bobby Roode would be good in there, uh, yeah. Daniel Bryan, Cesar. I mean, there's several, but AEW Chapman, you mentioned them. I, I think you do have to have Cody and probably Hangman. Um, I like FTR, but they're a tag team, you know, and uh, Horseman, there really wasn't a specific tag team. I mean, aren't they they swapped in and out, so – Huh?
4: Modern day Arn and Tully.
0: Yeah, but Arn and Tully would both held singles titles constantly. FTR hasn't. But 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 I would still accept them. I I mean, I'd still take them. But looking back, MJF. I mean, he'd be money. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Brian Pillman Junior. Once he gets his, you know, air under his wings.
6: Would you now? Would you love to have? The independent superstar, Brian Pillman Jr. On your podcast. What do you call it? The slop drop? Well, I'll tell you what. The only slop that I'm dropping is going to be in that toilet over there. So, until you guys can come up with a cool name to parade around on YouTube, iTunes, Podbean, Google... Whatever you have... Until you can come up with a proper name for royalty such as myself... Then uh, your fans are going to be the only one listening to the slop drop. And until you bring me in under my terms... Then I'll think about giving your podcast a listen, okay? But as far as all you other fans out there... If you like slop and you want to hear the drop go on and check out the slop drop Ba-dum-tsh.
3: i i tell you what guys i am a fan of brian film jr he is just that that haircut the lineage he, just, he to me he's a throwback i can't wait to watch that kid rise you know what um, are they the
4: varsity blondes or something
3: the varsity blondes now yeah. the other kid cassidy whatever I, you know I don't know. You know, you could you could do you could replace him with just about anybody, but I think that I think that Tillman's money. I think Pillman Junior is money, and it may take a couple of years to develop that character and for him to kind of kind of come to his own. But when he does, man, I think he's going to be a player.
0: What do you think, McBee? You got four people in mind?
2: Well, man, I mean, that's I mean, I had like Robert Rude down. I thought he'd be a real good fit. Miz, I think, is a really good fit. I kind of like having the FTR group in there. I uh, threw out another one too. It's not AEW or WWE, but like a uh, Nick Aldis type character. I thought no. from NWA might be a good fit.
0: Like Nick Aldis.
3: Yeah, Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis has that that he just has that. Gosh, he, that that Ric Flair as yep. you know vibe to him <laughs> that, that you know that that you know when when you think of the Horsemen, you think of the elite, you think of of the, t- the top guys. I reckon, I guess this looks like a top guy. You know, to me, he just looks it's it, it to be honest with you, I'm surprised he hasn't wound up in in you know Connecticut yet. But is, it, you know, is he still
4: the NWA heavyweight champion?
3: I believe yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. he's still
4: NWA heavyweight champion. You no, know, with the with the crossover with AEW and, and, and NWA, I'm kinda of surprised we haven't seen him on there.
2: I bet <laughs> you he probably he's probably gonna show up on there, especially you got Thunder Rosa and all them that have been crossing over. I can, see, I can see them setting up something big, maybe a title versus title. That'd be nice to
0: see. Who knows what the status of the NWA is right now. I mean, they've kind of – I was so excited when they resurrected that. Now, it's, it's kind of disheartening when you're seeing ROH and Impact and everybody else has came back to at least taping crowd or no crowd and nothing from the NWA. Uh, well, you
3: know, they – they uh, uh they changed their taping location they were taping out of i believe atlanta and now they're taping out of los angeles i think i think somebody told me that it was cheaper to fly you know yeah, all the talent
0: they're doing some things with dave marquez and championship wrestling of hollywood or whatever it's called and so they will take things that they've taped from his shows and then occasionally they'll throw something on their youtube channel
2: man for like a 12 week period when power started back off it was exciting. I mean, I was looking forward. I was like, hey, Tuesday night, 6.05, I'm making sure I'm tuning in to NWA Power. I thought they had a great entrance theme with the end of the fire at the beginning. I mean, I thought everything was just really gelling. They had an event that they were getting ready. They are getting ready to do the Crockett Cup 2020. Almost sold out the arena in the first freaking day. I mean, things were just so bright. But, I mean, they're the biggest victim of COVID, to I me mean, uh, in the professional wrestling world.
0: All right, guys. Well, that was four horsemen. I was, just say something.
4: I was just going to say, look at, uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but Ms. Dow. Uh, what's Aaron, the
0: exact Stevens. Name? Aaron Stevens, Aaron
5: Stevens. Allow me to beg your indulgence for one moment. This is the former intellectual savior of the masses now simply known as Aaron Stevens. And I want to give a huge shout out to the slop drop podcast. Uh, I appreciate all of your support over the years. Um, you know, as we know, my wrestling career has been, uh, up and down and everywhere in between, but the one thing I always had was the fan support, and you guys are part of that. And especially with a podcast, um, you know that's really the way the business is going. So I appreciate it, and uh, I am definitely going to check you guys out. And uh, yes, if you can use this for anything, um, you are listening to the Slop Drop podcast. You're welcome.
4: How that dude doesn't have a doesn't have a contract with AEW at least. I don't I don't understand, man. I, talking about NWA, he was one of my favorite guys. He was one of my favorite guys in WWE whenever he was doing uh what, I, what was his gimmick? Was stunt double. Well, not but even before that when he came out and the uh, you know oh, I'm, I'm, the I'm, I'm better oh, than yeah, you I'm been all you. this and yeah. and uh bro he just man, that dude has got so much talent. Why he's not booked anywhere except for NWA? I'll never know.
2: Well, hey Sumo, you've mentioned a couple of people. Ms. Dow, all right, Brian Pillman Jr., you know, some of the guys that have been mentioned, they all have something in common. And what's that?
0: They've given the slop drop a shout out.
2: Yep. Right there.
0: That's back before they all had big agents you had to go through. So (laughs) I won't be be doing that for a
2: while.
0: All right, guys, that about wraps it up. Follow us on Facebook at the slop drop on Twitter at the slop drop one, wherever you get your podcast. We're probably there. Leave us a good rating, a good review, subscribe to us on YouTube. You won't get to hear the audio clips, but you will get to see Chapman's ugly face either way. As always, thank you guys for listening, and until next time, we are out of here.
1: Woo! Goodbye and good night.